Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders good cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. And welcome to our NFC Championship game preview here on the Kelly Green Hour as your Philadelphia Eagles are set to do battle with the San Francisco 49ers, the two best teams in the NFC all year. And it should be a very, very titanic battle between a really good offense for the Eagles and a really good defense for San Francisco, two line offense, an offensive line and a defensive line that don't give up anything. So it should be a fun battle. I'm your host, LJ Harrell. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Connor Donald. Connor, I'm excited that this week is dragging on. We're three three days plus four, uh, three and a half hours-ish away. And it can't get here quick enough. No, I, I agree. You were, you were saying it earlier about how, oh, last week felt like it dragged on. This week, it's probably worse. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a really good game and I'm both excited, but nervous at the same time, because this is probably the best team we faced all year. I would Not argue. probably it is. It is. It, yeah, it definitely is the best team we faced all year. So it's going to be a challenge. And like you said, it's going to be a, like a Titanic challenge, but and these two teams are going to go to battle and it could go either way. Either the defenses hold strong and now we're wearing for a heart attack game or the defenses falter, and we're still in for a hard attack game, but a lot higher scoring. Yeah, it, it, I think it's going to be opposite of whatever we, we predict at the end. Uh, but before we get started, as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. That's T-E-N. Follow me on Twitter mm-hmm. at LJHorrell54. Follow the Painted Lines on Twitter and YouTube at the Painted Lines, and follow Edge of Philly Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at Edge of Philly Sports or EOP Sports. And if you are tuning in live let us know your thoughts on the game the, the 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 keys to the game how the eagles can come away with the victory and secure another trip to the super bowl which is held in arizona this year um and give us your prediction let us know let us know what you think um but connor we there's been all talk all week um before we get started on the game though the awards came out the other day <clears throat> Um, and Martin, we'll get to what's up with AJ Brown. He says he's okay, has a hip thing. He's going to play on Sunday. He's not going to miss this game for the world. Um, <clears throat> but we will definitely uh, discuss him, you know, because going up against this tough San Francisco defense, definitely going to need um, AJ Brown out there. Um, Jalen Hurts, a finalist for MVP. Nick Sirianni, not a finalist for Coach of the Year. Brandon Graham, not a finalist for Comeback Player of the Year. Hassan Reddick, not a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. Is this where we throw the dog mask on again and get ready get ready to go on Sunday? Uh, that's what it feels like because, I mean, you put Hassan Reddick up against some of those other guys who got honors or who got the finalist honor bestowed upon them, and he – Pam for Pam. Oh, yeah, Pam for Pam. Like, you look at the stats. He's on par or right behind, but in a big game moment, 
Hassel and Reddick has been able to step up for us more than I think any of those other finalists have been able to. Look at those forced fumbles. Look at those fumble recoveries, those sacks in key moments. He's done some huge things, and that's shocking. And Brandon Graham, the story tells itself. 33-year-old tears his Achilles. That you would have thought would have been like a career ender. If not a career ender, he'd come back and be half the man that he was. Instead, he comes back and has a career year at the age of 34, a year removed from a torn Achilles. Um, and, and when you talk about comeback player of the year, like he only played a game and a half. Geno Smith, mm-hmm. like Geno Smith didn't miss last year. Saquon missed four games. Christian McCaffrey missed how many games? Uh, I don't even know. But like, we're talking about a guy, and, and, and I'm going to reiterate what you just said. He missed the entire year. He played a game and a half. He's 34. You're coming off of an Achilles at the defensive end position, and he set a career high in sacks. Like, if that is not comeback to player of the year material, I don't know what is. I, uh, and I agree with you. I don't really like Saquon Barkley in that spot because like, I think you should have to miss or not play a very significant amount of game. And like, okay, Gino, I can get behind Gino. He didn't really play last year. He was thrust into the starting role after they traded Russell Wilson. I'm fine with that. But Saquon doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me to like why why you miss four games and you get to be comeback player of the year because you had a down year because the the team you were on was terrible. They ended up turning around and firing their coach and general manager. Like that's not comeback player of the year to me that that to me that doesn't fit the mold of comeback player of the year so i really I, if saquon barkley wins it that award is a sham and that award is not it's not a sham in regards to like it would be more it, it would be more just a, a sham because of the the idea that behind it and like what does the reward what does the award actually mean anymore and like they need to really lay out more what what that award is and as far as coach of the year um it's not like who would you take out because it's dable shanahan and dougie p right yeah so, so dougie p and dayball deserve to be there. i don't know what people say i know there's a few people out there saying well we beat dayball three times doesn't that mean that that nick Sirianni should be in discussion i don't think it's apples to apples like record against each other it's Look at what the team was the year prior and look what it turned into. Yes, Nick Sirianni should be in the discussion, but it you can I think you can fairly argue for all of them. I actually like if you look at if you Doug, look, Doug Peterson probably deserves it the most. Yeah, he probably does. If you look what was what was the over under for the Eagles coming into this year? Nine, nine and a half. Nine and a half, and I think. Fourteen. So like that's five full games. Like mm-hmm. that you won more. Like um the, the, the over-under for the Giants was six, maybe? And they won nine, eight or nine? like And, and again, like there, there's a bunch of different metrics and, and obviously the eye test and all that. But it, it is I, – I do think that he, he kind of got slighted a little bit. And then like Dougie P didn't even get a vote. Or he got, <clears throat> what, one vote in 2017 and sh- when, when Sean, um, Sean McVay won, won the, um, the award. So like Dougie P finally getting his his deservance there, um, but yeah, I was it was just disappointing because like you work all you work all year and and I'm not saying it's all about awards and like Jalen said he's not done he, like obviously the biggest award is the Super Bowl trophy if he wins Super Bowl MVP he's not gonna care about regular season MVP if he doesn't win it Patrick Mahomes is probably gonna win it and I'm not saying he's not deserving um, but it, we're almost at the point with with Patrick Mahomes where it's like Michael Jordan where you expect greatness. And it's tough to continue to give them the MVP 
when that's what we expect. Um, but like we talked about mm-hmm. it coming into the season when it comes to Jalen Hurts, he needed to make strides in order for this team to be better. And he made strides way more than I think almost everybody anticipated. So hopefully, you know, will he win the MVP? Probably not, but he's definitely getting the recognition that he deserves. Yeah, it's about time that he gets the recognition he deserves because we were talking about it on the last episode that Brock Purdy and Daniel Jones have kind of overshadowed these matchups because they're enamored by, you know, the strides that they took. But then you look at Jalen Hurts and he took an equal or larger stride, I think, and improved in areas that are a lot harder, a lot harder to improve on, like your passing game, your accuracy, and the the way that he completely turned this offense into like a three-headed monster. You can run, you can option, you can pass, and he can pass at all three levels. It's like a completely different guy. When we look, if we went back to some of the episodes we had last year, you were all out on, on Jalen Hurts and and rightfully so, there were a lot of games where like, yeah, we streaked at a time where we had some of the easiest competition. But when it came time to play a team that was worth a damn, we got crushed. We got humiliated. And now we're sitting here and we're saying, do we give them 45 million? Do we give them 50 million? How do you figure out the math on it? There's no doubt in our minds you give him the money. That's how big a giant of a leap forward that he took as a quarterback. And I, I agree with you at the end of the day. I think one of the Things that annoys me the most is Brock Purdy being up for offensive player of the year is a joke. If if you can't sit there and tell me Jalen Hurts with 16 games played, only missing two games, can't be an MVP, how can he be a rookie offensive player of the year with, what, six off uh, regular season games? Because these are regular season awards. So six mm-hmm. regular season games, you're telling me he can be in the running and can be seriously considered, but Jalen Hurts can't be seriously considered missing two games? Yeah, that makes sense. That I didn't even see the offensive play. I saw, I mean, Justin Jefferson's going to win it. <laughs> Let's be real. He's so it was win. rookie offensive player of the year. So it's, I think it's Brock Purdy, Kenneth Walker, and uh, maybe Garrett Wilson were the finalists. I can't remember for sure. but I think Kenneth Walker yeah. will win it. Um, and, like, and I think Sauce Gardner will win def- defensive rookie of the year. Um, but yeah, like it, it is. You should have, there has to be, just like because. Goddard and CJ Gardner Johnson were on the IR when the play, the Pro Bowl teams were announced and they weren't allowed to be named Pro Bowlers when we both know they were Pro Bowlers. Like you should there ha- there should be a, a minimum amount of games played where, where you should be up for an award. Martin, we love the questions. Can the Eagles become a dynasty? How many players will be back next year and do we reload? We won't we want to wait for questions like that for the offseason, but Dynasty is tough to say because this team will look different next year. You have seven, six or seven starters on the defense that are free agents. Not all of them are going to be able to come back. They're going to have to pay Jalen Hurts, so that's going to take into account. Like, if you look at it, I would love C.J. Gardner-Johnson back, and it's probably going to be T.J. Edwards <clears throat> um, coming back because they're not going to bring both linebackers. Nagobi Dean's going to be one of the starters next year. I would love James Bradbury to come back, but he's priced himself out. He's going to be a starter somewhere next year. He's going to get a lot of money. Um, you know, Fletcher Cox probably won't be back. I would love to see Javon Hargrave back, but he might have made himself a lot of money. So looking at what the defense is and, and the changes that are going to be made on that side of the ball, Gannon's probably going to be hired somewhere else. You never know. Um, so like the defense from coaching staff to the to personnel is definitely going to look different. Um, and Howie has always said it. We don't rebuild, we retool, right? We, you know, we don't try to have 
multiple seasons where we're, we're down, where we're not in the playoffs. So he's once the contract for Jalen Hurts figured out, once that's taken care of, you're going to see him go out there and bring in people just like they did on the, the offensive side of the ball last year with um, A.J. Brown, um, you know, and, and, and making that trade on, on trade on draft day. You're going to see the same thing on the defensive side of the football. You know, maybe there's going to be two or three new starters um, along with a new defensive coordinator, but they will bring the pieces back or bring in pieces that will help this team build and not, you know, take multiple steps back. Yeah, and and I think like you alluded to it, we never really enter rebuild, even though it may look like last year we were like, oh, maybe it's time for a rebuild. It's always a retool with Howie. He always has something up his sleeve. He's always trying to make deals that that make things move along a lot quicker. And I think it kind of goes to show because we we've been in the most conference championships since. 2000 like it just goes to show that when we have a down year we come right back look at the chip kelly times we had the down year he got fired we had a second down year and then we were right back up then the dougie dougie p era era or the end of it with carson wentz in that situation we went down then we came right back up the next year we had back-to-back down years it's always back-to-back down years because you change your coach and stuff and then you got to look back look at the schemes that you have and the coordinators that you have, like he did with this offense and defense. And he said, what do we need? Let's figure it out. So we had a couple of down years and then boom, here we are. We're back at it again. It's never, we're never one of those teams like, you know, the Detroit Lions or the Chicago Bears who seem to be, or the Vegas Raiders who seem to be in these endless rebuilds and these endless retools that would be so frustrating from a fan perspective to watch because it doesn't feel like they can ever get the right people in place or the right players in place or make the right picks. But it seems like as much as we may judge how he, when he makes, when he drafts sometimes, a lot of these guys end up working out. A lot of, and or if he misses on something, he goes in free agency and fixes it. Or if he misses in free agency, he goes to the draft and fixes it. It just feels like he's always ready and he's always got a backup plan that we don't even realize is out there. So you definitely make some really good yeah, points. We and I about, think we didn't know about the AJ Brown thing when that happened. So zero clue about the AJ Brown. We were all shocked and we were all happy. All right. So we've discussed that enough. We, we'll wait until the offseason to get into what the, the, the team could look like, Jalen Hurts' contract could look like, and all that. Um, the offseason moves that we made. Let's talk the NFC Championship game, the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers. Um, the San Francisco is coming in with the best defense, excuse me, with the best defense in the league, led by Nick Bosa. Uh, they have Fred Warner, who was running stride for stride with CD Lamb on, on Sunday. <laughs> that was um, wild. It was wild. Like, so like he, he's he's all out. Drake Greenlaw is good. The, the, um, Talanoa Hufunga coming out of, of nowhere, out of USC, um, turning into a really, really good safety, you know, uh, playing just like his idol, uh, Troy Palomalu. They have players, they have all-stars, they have all pros at every level of their defense. We talk about how the Eagles' strength on offense is the offensive line. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a test against this defensive line for, um, excuse me, this defensive line for Seattle led by Bosa, Eric Armstrong, Javon Kinlaw, and Ebocom. We know the Eagles ran for 268 yards last week. I don't expect that this week, but they're going to have to be, they're going to have to win their individual matchups to be able to move the ball on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
like it's gonna be so interesting i can't remember who tweeted it out but somebody tweeted you could build a pro bowl team out of the 49ers and the eagles and put them up against the rest of the nfc pro bowl team and you would win they would win easily and it's so true you look up and down look at the weapons like how would you even decide what three wide receivers you want on the field of these wide receivers brandon Ayuk, debo samuel Devontae smith aj brown aj brown Devontae Smith and Debo Samuel would be the receivers. Your two tight ends with Greg Kittle and and Dallas Goddard. McCaffrey as your running back. Hurts as your receiver. Imagine Um, deciding the offensive and defensive lines. Left tackle. Lane Johnson at right tackle. (laughs) Um, The center would be Kelsey. I think you'd probably put Dickerson and Samalu. I honestly. Spencer Buford at right guard. I don't know. It would be tough, but like that would actually that's a fun game to actually play maybe <laughs> next week in between the conference championship game and the uh and the Super Bowl. But yeah, you're right. Like that, a, a, an Eagles Niners super team would beat the NFC Pro Bowl team. Absolutely. And you kind of alluded to the defense alone. Like that defense is crazy. And I know I think right now maybe it's up for debate if Charles uh Ominu is gonna play because of his legal uh issues that he just ran into but i mean that's like that's a backup defensive end like you could probably keep samson ibukum and nick bosa out there for extra snaps and be just fine like that's how good that team is um and then like you you said all the names it's gonna be a tough day for for dallas goddard their linebackers i would definitely say are much better than our linebackers they can cover like you said that play where fred warner went stride for stride with cd lamb and broke up i think he broke up the pass right like that that's crazy he he was in he was in the way of it it hit off of cd's hands um he probably he could have caught it but yeah but But that's a linebacker with an elite wide receiver stride for stride being part of that play and making the play tough like that was an incredible play and i remember seeing that and i'm like man we need a linebacker like that that is unbelievable but yeah like you said you look across the board at the matchups and and i can't confidently say that for sure we win out in some of these matchups i am more confident in our wide receivers against their corners than their wide receivers against our cornerbacks as long as we don't get you know the darius say that ended the season if we can get the darius say of earlier in the year or darius say of last week although if you're talking apples to oranges when you're talking the giants wide receivers in the san francisco 49er wide receivers but I would trust that our wide receivers probably can get it done. Like that would be the only matchup I can say with confidence. I think that we can win out in, but that just makes so much, like you said, it's going to be so much harder to get that run game going. Dallas Goddard is going to have to be creative in how he gets away and gets open against those linebackers. Um, how how you're going to use i think i just saw somebody tweeting the x factor is going to be you know can the 49ers stop the big playability of this this eagles offense because one of the things they've been so effective at is plays of 15 and 20 plus yards through the air um that's where jalen hurts has been extremely effective and where our offense 
continues to cash in big time and can they stop that can they stop those plays from happening like you said how affected is aj brown going to be by this injury because we saw last week he was almost he was targeted six times but he went what three for 22 he was almost a null factor in the game luckily we didn't need him this week we need him we need all of these players to be playing at their top game on offense in order for this offense to have any opportunity to win yeah we don't need the pouting A.J. Brown, and he, he and yesterday he said he's not a diva, and obviously he wants the ball, and he's an number one receiver, and I would want him to have the ball. But the fact that they were up 31-7 at the time was a little worrisome, but I'm hoping I, – I actually thought it was more like he – because he was, he got hurt, and I thought that's why he, he was a little upset. I don't. I, I, and I'd prefer that situation over the stare down between digs into the – head of Josh Allen because Josh Allen wasn't looking at him, but he was staring like lasers through his head with how upset he was with that game. So, I mean, I'd rather this situation and knowing like, you know, there's games where, yeah, he had six targets, but we've also seen games where he's had 15 targets. We've seen Mm -hmm. way more games where he's at 10 plus targets than 10 or less. Yeah. And and it's going to be a big battle between Sirianni and Steichen and and, and D'Amico Ryans because D'Amico Ryans, has been an outstanding defensive coordinator for the Niners. I mean, we got to see him play in Philly for a couple of years. Obviously, he started his career in Houston. Um, and, you know, after Robert Sala left, he just took over, and, and and the defense has still been good. Obviously, when you have good players, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, uh, Dre Greenlaw, Charvarius Ward, when you have good players, it helps. Um, I think the battle between Charvarius Ward and, and A.J. Brown, because I think Ward's going to follow A.J. Brown, is going to be big. Um, you know, if – uh, Devontae Smith goes in into the slot. Jimmy, uh, probably Jimmy Graham or Jimmy Ward, excuse me, might line up against them, maybe. Um, but if they wanted to move a Ward or Lenore to, to follow Smith, I mean, they could do that as well. But just like their offense, their defense, you can put players everywhere. Just like with the Eagles defense where Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he can play safety, he can play corner, he can play slot. Like you can move him all over the place. And I think that that just makes your defense a lot better because you have a bunch of different levels and a bunch of different things that you can do because you have people that are multidimensional. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I tweeted it out last night. Avante Maddox, they did a walkthrough. And if it had been a, if it had been a practice, they, he would have been a limited participant. And that is massive because if today he is a limited participant, there is a very good chance of Ante Maddox plays. And like you said, CJ Gardner Johnson is so much better when he can be a versatile piece, when he can be the safety, when he can come on down and be like almost a linebacker, when he can play right up on the line of scrimmage. He's so much better when he can be moved around. But right now we can't move him around because we desperately need him in that slot position. Even if say he say we get Avante Maddox back, but he can't play a hundred percent of the snaps. Even having him out there for 20, 25, 30 snaps and allowing us that versatility and that flexibility with Gardner Johnson for the rest of the game or for those 30 snaps would be huge, would be instrumental in what we can do on defense. And it will give Gannon a lot more opportunity to use a lot, a lot different faces of his defense that way. Yeah. So let's jump over to the offensive side of the ball for San Francisco. They're led by Brock Purdy and um, I think Purdy mentioned how they used this, their, their road trip to Seattle um, a few weeks back as kind of a test or as, as a preview of what they would be going through going into a potential game on the road in the playoffs in Philly. Um, but Purdy has not played in an atmosphere like he's going to see on Sunday at the link, especially if the Eagles get the ball first and scored. Like 
it, that place is going to go insane. But also, the Eagles haven't faced an offense like this. I mean, Christian from McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle lineup anywhere. And that's going to force the defense and force Gannon. You need to figure out all right, who's got who. And then you need – there cannot be any communication issues whatsoever because if there are communication issues, Kittle will get open like he did against Seattle a couple of weeks back. Um, Debo will will find a crease, and, crease, and when he when he has the ball in his hands, he is a tough guy to tackle. Brandon Ayuk, able to, to make people miss. You know what Christian McCaffrey can do when he's healthy. Now, I mean, McCaffrey, Samuel, Elijah Mitchell, they're all questionable, but there's no way they missed the NFC Championship game. They're going to play. That's how the Eagles should be practicing. They talked about the probably the best left tackle in football, Trent Williams. That battle between him and Josh Sweat is going to be is going to be a big one. And even Brandon Graham, like you're gonna they're gonna have to find a way to to cause confusion a little bit. Um, it's tough to confuse Trent Williams, but you're gonna have to find a way to get the Purdy. And if you can get the Purdy and rattle him, he will throw you the football. He he threw the ball to Dallas a couple times last week. Diggs dropped one. Um, so the, the Eagles are gonna if the ball is gonna be thrown to them, the Eagles have to make. San Francisco pay, give their offense a short field to give them a chance to run away with the game. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They, like you said, they can literally line up at anywheres. And last week was an example of how one drive with one player having an impact, like George Kittle. Take, for example, George Kittle was so quiet for most of the game, and then one drive, he made a big catch, and then he drew that pass interference call. And those were two massive also, plays in that. The, the catch you're talking about, if Diggs had any cojones, he should have lit him up. He should have him up. And he should have went for the the way he was going he for that for tackle. Too. Yeah, I think he should have went for the ball. He was going for a tackle like that. I thought it was Mike Zepps or Reed Blankenship. Like the way he was going in, no angle, no. His head was down. Like he had no idea where the ball was. Yeah, I would have. I personally would have been going for the ball. Because that that is a play where you all you have to do is go knock that ball, hit that ball away, and there's no play whatsoever. So I mean, did George Kittle make the play look better than it probably should have been? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, those two plays were massive plays and game changing plays in that game. But for the Cowboys, they never really came back when the George they called it the announcers called it the George Kittle drive. But even though he only did two really big things on the drive, it, it was those two big plays that gave them, I think. 40 of their yards of offense on that drive. So it was huge, but that's how like you could have George Kittle or, or Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk be so quiet for, for certain points of the game and explode for one play, two plays, one drive. And that could be all it takes to change the entire game. And they all do things so differently. Brandon Ayuk is an incredible blocker. He's a great route runner. Debo Samuel, we know how effective he can be literally anywhere on the field, coming out of the backfield as a receiver, working in line. Same with Christian McCaffrey. You can work him anywhere. It's crazy how versatile this entire offense can be. And it's what, I mean, I don't want to fully take away from Brock Purdy, but with if you take a couple of these guys away, are we going to see the same Brock Purdy? I don't think so. They, it takes a full, versatile weaponry plus this offensive line to really get Jimmy Garoppolo look great. Brock Purdy looked great. Well, Trey Lance is, where, is the only one who didn't really the, look great. The Niners have the advantage of having Shanahan as a coach because Shanahan's able to to get these guys in the open space and put them in positions to win. And the Niners have been here before. They were here last year. They, this is their third NFC Championship game in the last four years, I think. We know that the Eagles were, were went to the Super Bowl NFC Championship game Super Bowl back in 2018. That's five years ago. 
And while there's Kelsey Johnson, uh, Cox, uh, Graham, you know, there's still guys on this team that um, were, were there and got to experience that. Niners experienced it last year and they experienced it on the road. They went, and granted, it was um, LA and there were probably more Niners fans than Rams fans in the stadium. And that, that'll be a huge difference too. Like, there is zero chance Eagles fans give up their tickets for this game. Not only are they mad expensive, it was hard to get. Like, I tried to, I was, I went on Ticketmaster and trying to get tickets, man. Man, they were expensive and it was just tough. Like, there's no there'll, there'll be San Francisco fans in the stands, but there's not going to be like it was in, in L.A. last year where half the stadium was San Francisco fans. Eagles fans will not allow that. And also, not to change the subject, but I saw something where the NFL could contemplate making the conference championship games uh, neutral site games. That would be the dumbest thing ever. What is the point of battling for the number one seed? Like, the number Agreed. one seed gives you the home field advantage. Obviously, it'd be a money grab, but like that takes away the home field advantage. That takes away like, what is the point of going besides the buy? What is the point of get, going for the number one seed? Like, so yeah, you you I should always have an advantage. Team. You should always have an advantage, and that was the biggest thing. I know that the NFL is always looking for ways to make more money, and I mean, how could you like San Francisco and Philadelphia must be two hugely gross and locations that football games we already know philadelphia fans go crazy and what it generates for the city and the area when a football game is happening it even helped the philadelphia wings generate money for a sunday mm -hmm. just so that they could go four hours earlier to to tailgate like so and i agree with you What's the advantage of being – I get it. We're seeing a lot more of those eight and nine teams, seven and ten teams sneaking into the playoffs. And it's like, why do they deserve an advantage for winning the, their their division? Okay, that's cool and all. I get it. There's some situations that are kind of ugly, like the Tampa Bay situation, like the Washington situation, where they these guys snuck in with under 500 records and didn't really deserve a home field advantage. 14 and three deserves a home field advantage you worked for that advantage you got the buy and you wanted that mm -hmm. advantage and if you if you're good enough to get those then you 100 percent should deserve your right to play however many games at your own home field it's part of the advantage it's a part of an advantage in every single sport why would the nfl want to be that sport who moves away from that there's no reason to have neutral site playoff games just for the sake of oh it can be it might be a more fair game if you can hear or the crowds nods that that just takes away from what makes the nfl so amazing and the action the true home field advantage yeah it is so and, and again i mentioned brock birdie hasn't played in an atmosphere like he will on sunday the link is going to be crazy ask case keenum yeah they jumped out to a seven nothing lead but that didn't matter once that interception once keenum threw the interception um after chris long Bad or hit like knocked his hit his arm and then it went right to Patrick Robinson. He returned it for a touchdown. It was over from there. That's what the Eagle this this Eagles team. That's what this game's gonna have to turn into. If the Eagles are able to to get a big play early on, keep the, the fans in it because if the fan you do not want the, the fans the, the the stadium to get quiet. You want them to be allowed to try to rattle Purdy and that would give you the big advantage. Absolutely, and I think it was Debo who said, "Oh, was making the comment about oh, they're probably loud, but they're not as loud as San Francisco." Um, I would I would argue that they're probably a lot, and you probably just made them want to be a lot louder by making those types of comments. And to me, it doesn't. I don't care what Debo says. I don't care what like Chris McCaffrey or anybody says. Being that loud with a rookie quarterback who went as Mister Irrelevant. 
any type of noise. You could tell he was shook last week just by the entire, by the situation, by by this moment, by this being such a big moment. And each step of the way, the moment's going to get bigger. The crowds are going to get louder. The situation, the moment only continues to get bigger for Brock Purdy. So, I mean, for us, hopefully he didn't get the jitters out, but hopefully he got it out last week because otherwise it's going to be a tough night and this environment is going to be one of the more hostile environments I think he's ever going to play in and he better be prepared for it because last week you could tell from the beginning it was shaky, things were shaky, he didn't look like Brock Purdy of the seven prior games um, that was that earned himself the Offensive Player of the Year finalist honor and stuff. He wasn't looking like that Brock Purdy and if you can rattle him, if you can get at him even even if we're not hitting him even if we're not getting the sacks we're just we're in his face the pressure's there and we're making him make tough decisions i think he will make mistakes and i think he will show why he was drafted where he was drafted yeah so that's just i think that's jumping right into the keys to the game that's the biggest key for the eagles defense it's going to be getting pressure on party and it won't be easy this isn't the giants offensive line that they're going up against um, or Washington's offensive line. This is gonna, this is a better offensive line and a better play caller. Um, we know Shanahan knows what he's getting himself into when it comes to this Eagles defense. Seventy-five sacks, third most, including playoffs in NFL history. So, like, they, he knows that they can get after the, the quarterback without um, pressure, without blitzing. Um, and it's also going to be key for Gannon to where we know he doesn't like the blitz, but if he calls the blitz, he's got to be smart about it and not leave. Kittle open, McCaffrey open, Debo open, because as I mentioned, when they get the ball in their hands, they will make plays in the open field. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw this tweet. There's some 49ers reporter or podcaster out there who said, 70 sacks is cool and all, but do you guys realize that you got, I think it was 21 of them in three games, and then he dug deeper, and he he dug all the way to the point where it's like six of them came in 41 games. First of all, and then in the three that we had 21, everyone's sitting there and like, oh my God, look at who they played. How many other teams went for seven sacks against all those teams? Not many. So it just goes to show, like, people will grasp at any type of straw to sit there and say, it's cool and all, but look at who you did it against. Why weren't other teams doing it against them? Why weren't other yeah. teams up there getting, you know, Dallas got to play those same teams, and they don't didn't end up with 70 sacks. Yes, they ended up with a, good, a large amount of sacks, but definitely weren't, on the, weren't on at the same pace. So it, to me... It's it's and it kind of was like at the beginning of the season, it was let's just get pressure, get in their face. Sure, we weren't getting the sacks, but the pressure was there. We were getting in their face. We were making them make tough decisions. Darius Say was making big plays. Bradbury was making plays. The secondary was doing their job. The front four were doing their job. That's all it takes. If you don't have any sacks, but your defense is able to hold the team to like 14 or 17 points and the offense can go and do the rest. It doesn't matter to me if we get the sacks. The sacks are nice. It's a flash stat, but it's also the flash stat that we sit there and like interceptions that upset us about why Trayvon Diggs got some of the honors he got last year. It's a flash. It's just a flashy stat that the media and players go crazy over. At the end of the day, we've seen this defense do a lot with a little and a little with a lot at the same time when it comes to sacks, when it comes to interceptions, when it comes to force and fumbles. So it doesn't always, sometimes when it, it doesn't always, it's not always raining and pouring for us, but this could be one of those games where we just need some uh, periodic big plays and we don't need to get seven sacks. We don't need to be that 70 sack team, but we need to be a team that can make Brock Purdy make decisions and make mistakes. Yeah. And that's going to be, that's 
again, the key to the game, force Purdy to be uncomfortable. And then on the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles, protect obviously the biggest key is protect the football. Um, but find like and it's tough, but you gotta find that explosive play. And I'm not asking for five explosive plays, ten explosive plays, but you need to be able to 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 get a big play to get the offense to get Jalen Hurts into rhythm. And obviously the Eagles have the weapons to do it, but again, this is the best defense that the Eagles have faced. And I think, like I think I mentioned it on Tuesday, this Niners are the best team the, that the Eagles have faced. The Eagles are the best team the Niners have faced. It's up, these are the two have been the two best teams in the NFC. For the Eagles, definitely have been the best team in the NFC all year, and the Niners have been up there for most of the year. So, like, this is a battle that we have been waiting for since halfway through the year, since Thanksgiving, whatever. And hopefully the 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 game itself turns out the way we anticipate it to be in terms of just, like, it not being a 38-7. to 7 t- Well, I would love a 38-7 to 7 blowout on the Eagles <laughs> side of the ball. Um, as long as if this game can stay, if the game stays close and, and we get a, a nice, you know, a battle that – where both teams are just fought, fought, you know, Rocky versus Apollo Creed, both both teams are just throwing lefts and rights to see who can come out on top at the end. It could be whoever has the ball last is going to win the game. Yeah, and I mean, my key for the offense is don't abandon what what's been so good for you. We've seen we saw down the backstretch that you know they obviously ran a different offense with Gardner Minshew was far less effective. They ran the vanilla offense in Week 18, but we, me and you, were both questioning Shane Steichen. We were both questioning the offense, the play calling. We were abandoning things like the run game that opened the offense up so much for us. It's going to be frustrated. For Shane Steichen, it is going to be frustrating. It is going to be a game of chess between him and D'Amico Ryan, and on the other side, between Shanahan and Gannon. It is going to be a game of chess between these teams. There are times where it's going to be very frustrating, I think, and where you're not going to get what you really want to get. You're running the ball. You're getting two yards per carry. And I know in past games and in prior similar situations, Shane Steichen will abandon the run. Shane Steichen will abandon certain aspects of the offense that are so vitally important to opening up the entire offense and keeping that playbook wide open for the big play, for the smaller plays, for the easier third downs, to get yourself in those situations, to keep drives alive, to keep plays alive, and to get to get points up on the board. So I think that that's one of the biggest things for me. Don't abandon any aspect of your playbook, no matter how frustrating it gets, because that's what worries me the most. I'm not as worried about Gannon as I would be in this situation of Shane Steichen. Yeah, so I'm just, yeah. I know what you want to say. I know it's Gannon, so it's tough. You want to speak to him, but. I I mentioned it last week where both guys, both Gannon and Steichen, are interviewing for other jobs. And hopefully they put all their preparation into this. Obviously we think they did, but like you can't think in the back of my back again and say like, he knows I have the hit pretty much. Like if he doesn't, unless he doesn't want it, like he he's probably the favorite him or D'Amico Ryan's are the favorite for the, the Houston job. Steichen um, could be thought of as the favorite for say the Carolina job potentially, but like, Oh, I know. I actually the back of their heads. I actually posted that report from Benjamin Albright. Apparently the second interview for Shane Steichen didn't go well in Carolina and they're actually pivoting away from him. So there's a chance. While I wouldn't be overly disappointed to have Shane Steichen back, I think losing a guy like Brian Johnson because we can't offer up the offensive coordinator role anymore would be 
would be a tough loss to take, um, not to pivot too far away from the game that we're talking about at hand. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Shane Steichen was only really, that was the job he was rumored very closely to, and now things didn't go so well and they're pivoting away. I feel like we're going to have Shane Steichen back next year, but that could be a negative in regards to Brian Johnson because I was prepared and ready to have Brian Johnson promoted. And we know that he's being one of the jobs he interviewed for was the Jets job, which was handed over to Nathaniel Hackett today. So that's one job off the board. And the more jobs that come off the board that Brian Johnson getting the promotion is better for us because Shane Steichen, if he has another year, he continues to do what he's doing. It'll be like Gannon last season. Steichen will get his opportunity again next season and We'll see from there. But I think Brian Johnson Brian Johnson played a very crucial role in the development and the improvement that we saw from Jalen Hurts. Oh, definitely. And and with these teams that have young quarterbacks, like let's say Gann, if Gannon gets that coaching job, what 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 is what would be keeping him from bringing Brian Johnson to to coach up, you know, Bryce Young? So you, you never know. Or CJ Stroud. Yeah, whoever. we see we see it all the time. If you think Gannon's going and you're like, yeah, Gannon's gone, and you don't think for two seconds he's gonna come back and poach some of these guys. Yeah, he will. He will. You you know he will. Like but if also, we can if we don't like I know we're going hard on Vic Fangio, but if we don't promote Denard Wilson, you don't think he is Jonathan Gannon's right hand man. You don't think Denard Wilson's going with Jonathan Gannon and getting himself prepped and primed for another opportunity? And, and we're talking way too much about this, but hey, and I but I do want to say one thing. We saw what happened after with, with Doug Peterson and what, how the staff looked after that initial staff. Frank Reich left and, and Doug or uh, Filippo left. It wasn't the same. Hopefully, it's not going to be that same outcome with with uh, Sirianni stuff. But this is something we'll talk about in the offseason. All right, prediction time. Who you got, Connor? Give us, give us a. I mean, we've we've been talking this to death today. Let us know your 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 prediction. I don't honestly believe that I could give you one like impact player because there's so many different elements of this game that are going to go into play that it's so hard to pick like Dallas got AJ Brown needs to be able to play through that injury. Lane Johnson needs to continue to be the guy he was last year. He did say in on a podcast that whatever happened right off that, like everything that he thought he had healed for three weeks, he, he felt it rip. He felt, and he said it felt good. So maybe, hopefully that's a good sign that that's now weird. that it's tore, he's good to go and it's this massive relief. Um, but we need A.J. Brander. We need Dallas Goddard to be able to work against those linebackers. We need Miles Sanders to be effective so that so that Steichen doesn't abandon the run. We need Jalen Hurts to be able to make really good decisions. Like, you can't pick and then go to the defensive side of the ball. You can't pick one impact player. You need both sides of the ball to work exactly like they did last week. And while we know it's not going to be as simple as that, we need both sides to be nearly flawless to really win this game or and to really make this a game. Um, but for me, I'm going to go with the Eagles because I feel I have to. I feel I got to go Eagles. We came this far. Um, I'm going Eagles 27 and the 49ers 24. Well, 27, 24. Yeah, I expect it to be a close game. The the spread's about two, two and a half. Um, it wouldn't shock me if it's. I if just it's a close I can't game. I can't score any games low for the Eagles anymore because every time I say oh it's going to be a defensive battle, I'm going to score this game low. I've always been wrong. Or or missed by a mile. Yeah, that that's normal for the both of us where where, <laughs> where that happens. Um, but I'll, I mean, I'm I'm 
all the, the the sentiments that you you put out pretty much the same thing protect the football protect hurts get after purdy um keep the the fans in it because i think the louder the quicker you know the louder that the, the fans are the easier are the the more hype that the team is going to get that, and they're going to play a lot better i'm going to go 24 21 eagles it's tough too because tough. I I really like. There's a part of me that's like, oh, should I should I just predict the 49ers because then I can be wrong and I'd prefer to be wrong. But I really think you know the Eagles have come a, a long way. They've had a really good season. There was a little bump at the end, a little blip on the radar there for four or five games after, like leading into J- that Jalen Hurts game where he got hurt, and then the games with Gardner Minshew, and then the vanilla Week 18 that really shouldn't count at all, um, but it had to count because we needed to get that win to get the buy um there was some blips on the radar but i really feel like after last week i know it's a completely different game it's completely different competition completely different atmosphere again but to me that we needed a game like we had last week against that type of competition to get us ready for this game against a lot they tougher looked, competition it looked like the the team that played the first half of the year all right quickly who's winning the IFC championship Ooh, yeah that uh I'm going Cincinnati. I really like, yeah, I'm going KC. I think it's going to be KC, but I think Cincinnati, like, I mean, they buried Buffalo. I was shocked with how bad Buffalo played. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I think I'm going to go KC. Like you said, like in these big moments, I, I like Patrick Mahomes. I like picking Patrick Mahomes to put up 50 when the other team puts up 48. I just believe in Mahomes to be able to do that. Um, but I, it's like, so close, so close. <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be a good game too. I, th- I expect both games to be really good, and I do expect Mahomes to be bad. Like we got, Mahomes. we got what we got. What essentially was coming from what week eight? Like this yeah. was kind of it was either gonna be Buffalo, KC, or Cincy and KC, and then it was looking like the 49ers and Eagles. Like these these yeah. crash courses were inevitable. Yep. So uh, every we hope everybody enjoys both games, but especially the Eagles game on Sunday, three o'clock. Eagles Niners. NFC Championship game. We'll be back next week to win or loss to pre- to review this game, and then uh, obviously we want in. two episodes next week. We we need well, two episodes next. Actually, no, we'd be off for a week because of the Super yes. Bowl. Yeah, we'll still be one next week regardless. But we want to have a, a, a Super Bowl Eagles Super Bowl edition. Yeah, we want we one in two weeks. Yeah. Yes, because I think. Were we podcasting back when in 2017 together when that when we went to the Super Bowl and won that Super Bowl? I do remember. I don't know. I, I think it was more of a group than it was just us two because I remember even after the Super Bowl 52, me and Sh- me and Shane actually jumped on and did like a, a reaction right after. Yeah, um, I think it was back when it was A and Y, and we weren't like it was. I think it was the year after that we really started yeah. me and you. But yeah. it would be fun to be able to preview an eagle super bowl it would be and let's hope it happens as always thank you all for tuning into the kelly green hour follow us on twitter at kelly green hour everybody enjoy the nfc championship game take it all in this doesn't happen often even though the eagles have been in seven and 22 years but (laughs) enjoy it eagles niners let's hope next week we're celebrating an eagles nfc championship game for connor i'm lj thank you for listening to the kelly green hour Hopefully this isn't the last one. Fly, Eagles, fly, baby. You want Philly Philly? You want Philly?
You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently arrives. Sanders could cut. And another.